Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Tennis fans to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one Mats Vilander, and Texas Longhorn all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. So take it away, AZ. And for the last time in 2023, take it away, I will. Welcome, everybody, to KickServeRadio.com. We are part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and this is our final show of the year. We are featuring the great Mats Vlander, seven-time major singles champion, one-time major doubles champion, three-time Davis Cup champion, and we bring that up for reasons that we will explain soon enough. Texas Longhorn legend, Johnny Levine, he was a two-time All-American, and we have got a lot to get to tonight, guys. It's kind of a year in review, but Johnny, we would be remiss not to start out by saying that we are dedicating tonight's show to the memory of the late, great coach Dave Snyder, our beloved college coach from the University of Texas, and I want to get to more on Coach Snyder at the end of the show, and I'm going to give you the last word on Coach but I wanted to start the show out by saying that we are dedicating tonight's final show of 2023 to his memory. All right, we have got so much to get to, you guys. And, Matt, you made the call. Let's put off doing a show uh, after the ATP Finals until after Davis Cup. There's a decent chance that something interesting might happen. Well, needless to say, it did. And Yannick Center comes out of this thing as the most high-profile player never to have even played in a major final that I can remember. The last person that I remember having this much fanfare and this much popularity going into a coming season was Grigor Dimitrov. What's to make us believe that things are going to be different for Sinner going forward than they were for Grigor and, and still to this day never having played a major final? Yeah, guys, nice to be with you. Um, I think that the biggest difference is that um, Sinner uh, has an, a very um, distinct identity on the tennis court. I mean, Grigor Dimitrov is a great player. He can do everything. He he flies on the court. He's got good attitude. But, but I think that the problem for him was, and maybe still is, is a little bit that he can do so many different things on the court. And when you're not full of confidence, you might get confused when he was full of confidence. And the, the year that you must probably talking about, I think 2017, he won the ATP finals. Semis of Wimbledon, Dimitrov, unbelievable. It looked like he was on his way to the top, but, but still it always looks like he's searching. Yannick Sinner is not searching. He's only, I mean, he's searching to become better, but he has his way of playing. Uh, it's very straightforward. Um, I think he's showing a lot of talent because he's adding onto his game, but his basic identity as a player is take the ball early, dictate as much as you can. Um, he's improved his, his serve tremendously, but the difference between him and a lot of other guys that dictate 
he moves. He flies around the court. So he plays very, very aggressive defense, just like a Novak Djokovic does. But he most probably hits the ball harder when he's open stance than Djokovic. So uh, he is is shown in the last couple of years that he's definitely going to be a Grand Slam champion, I think. But honestly, after the last three weeks, I think it's more than that. I mean, I see a person, a player who can challenge Carlos Alcaraz, who not only will challenge, but will beat him often, or at least feel like he can. He will beat the, the Holger Rune of today. Maybe not Holger Rune in three or four years, but I didn't think he had this much talent. He was going to improve this much this quickly. But just the whole Italian thing, ATP finals in Torino, of course, making the finals, beating Djokovic. Then the Davis Cup right after. I mean, it's like a Cinderella perfect storm for Yannick Sinner's development as a player to me. And it wasn't just Sinner's on-court performance that raised his profile. I have a buddy, Dwayne Agerberg, who was a pro with me back in the day, and he texted me the other day and he said, how'd you like to be Yannick Sinner's agent right about now? And I think he was probably alluding to just the persona that we got to know of Yannick Sinner in some of the post-match interviews, and certainly when they interviewed him after winning that Davis Cup title. Is this guy on the verge of really becoming an international mega superstar in the sport of tennis? As soon as he opens his mouth, suddenly you realize this is a guy who's 21, but he's really, really going on 31. He's extremely mature. He speaks well. Uh, He even brought Matteo Berrettini down from the stands to be part of the team interview on court, even though the four guys were there. But Berrettini meant so much that he was there for the week, cheering on, cheering, um, cheering on them, but also because... Really, Berrettini is the first guy to break through since Claudio, uh, since Adriano Panatta. Let's face it, uh, there hasn't been Italian. Fabio Fognini has been great in many ways, but, but Berrettini is like the big brother. So for Sinner to be that aware at that moment was just amazing. And I think, yes, I'll, I'll be his agent tomorrow. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna sell something, sell a lot of something. That's for sure. You've been his agent for a long time, as far as we're concerned on this show. And Johnny, <laughs> the guy right. that you've been speaking on behalf of all these years has been Novak Djokovic. You've made no bones about uh, your admiration for him as a player and as a person. And let's face it, at the age of 36, to go out and have the kind of year that he had this year, winning three of the four majors. And then obviously culminating in the tour championships and finishing number one in the world. What are some of the things that you want to kind of talk about with regard to what he did in 2023? Here's Johnny. Look, Andy, Djokovic had a stellar year, one that uh, any of the top 10 guys would would dream of having. Uh, What's incredible about it is that he was so close to winning, obviously, Wimbledon. And then you look at the the Davis Cup in the semifinals against Italy, triple match point on Sinner. And all of a sudden, Sinner gets through that match. And, you know, the doubles didn't go Serbia's way, and, and they're out. So, I mean, when you look at the year that the guy had, it's just, it's, it's remarkable um, just how, how great he was and how far he was from from really the entire field. I mean, the commitment that that this guy has to his country when he could have just packed it in at the after the finals, it just shows the character. It shows what kind of champion is, and and it also shows that no matter how great you are, no matter how great a champion you are, 
it, it's the next tournament. And now he has suffered one of his greatest defeats for a guy that had the greatest, one of the greatest years of all time. It just shows that, you know, this is sports and, and, you know, it's, it's, what have you done for me lately? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So Matt, I think we would be remiss not to mention Alcaraz in and among center and Djokovic, even though they sort of stole the show down the stretch of the year. If Alcaraz is going to have one big moment in 2023, wouldn't you just assume it would be winning Wimbledon and beating Djokovic in the final? Yeah, absolutely. But I think Alcaraz is, is who they have to thank. Yannick Sinner has to, they have to thank Alcaraz because he took down Novak, his favorite tournament on these days, most probably his favorite surface, uh, in five sets. And, and really there was no chance I thought Alcaraz was going to win the match. So I think he proved, uh, that Djokovic is human. You can beat him. Uh, he can get a little bit tight. He can a little bit get a little bit frustrated because Novak is such a great champion that he doesn't live off of wins in the past. He lives in the moment and he wants to win the match that he's involved in. And he's shown that he's slightly vulnerable. I mean, slightly vulnerable. And I think Alcaraz, uh, yeah, he, we have to thank him in a way for that at the same time. It's obviously... If you're a big Novak fan, you say, oh, I can't believe Alcaraz will say he could have won all four. Finally, the calendar Grand Slam. So I have a prediction to make. I think that next year there's something that Novak hasn't done. And, you know, it's the calendar Grand Slam. Next year, we got the Olympics as well. Ooh, the Golden and Slam. we got the Davis Cup again. So I, I don't know why there is any reason to think he's not going to win four out of those six next year. I really don't, because he should have beaten Sinner. You know, this loss to me makes him even greater. Just like you said, Johnny, he went to Davis Cup. I mean, what's the upside for him? There's not much upside. They're supposed to win. He's won it before. He hasn't played it that many times that he 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 owes us one. I mean, there's no real upside for Novak except a loss if he doesn't win, which is exactly what happens. So I think this loss hurts a lot. It hurts less because it's a team, but it hurts more because it's for his country. Okay, so the year belonged to Novak Djokovic, followed by Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz. What about on the women's side? When we come back, we'll talk about who the players of the year were. We had four different major winners on the ladies' side. You're listening to the final episode of KickServeRadio.com of the year we're part of tennis channel podcast network we're talking about the ladies when we come back hey tennis fans it's sarah z here and i want to make sure that you've got the bnp paribas open on your travel radar march 6th through 17th at the indian wells gardens go to bnpparibasopen.com and make your plans today it is a tennis extravaganza you don't want to miss Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the season finale of KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. But you can't be serious, man. That's right. This is it for 2023. 
And we talked all about the boys in the first segment. Novak Djokovic wins three out of four majors, finishes the year number one in the world, 36 years of age. That accomplishment for me goes down in the history books with Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl at 44. What LeBron James is doing right now, George Foreman winning the heavyweight title at 45. You name it. If a senior athlete has done it, Novak Djokovic's accomplishments stand right alongside those. But as far as the women go, guys, we had four different major winners. So who is player of the year? You had Arena Sabalenka start out the year. And Mats, when she won that major in Australia, I think we all agreed earlier in the year when we talked about it, that more than a sense of joy or jubilation was just a sense of relief because we've seen what she has been through all these years at times being her worst enemy and to see her finally win that major and get that monkey off of her back. Am I wrong to call that a huge relief for the entire world of tennis? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously for her, but I actually think that you're right more right there that it's a more relief to us, the tennis fans, because we don't want to see Sabalenka play a finals uh, the way that she did against Coco Goff. Coco Goff deserves all the credit in winning that match because Coco Goff made Sabalenka a worse player in the US Open finals. But at the same time, if Sabalenka did not have a Grand Slam win under her belt and she threw that performance in, there's no way we're going to be thinking that she's going to win a slam uh, or that she's going to play her best tennis. So I think it was huge for for the world of, of uh, tennis fans because I can go to a finals now with Sabalenka, and if she's playing well, I'm going to call her the favorite because she's won one already. So massively important to me. Johnny, Coco Goff wins that U.S. Open, beats Sabalenka in the final, and by virtue of finishing the year the way she did and finishing the year number one in the world in doubles, is she the clear-cut player of the year in women's tennis? No, not at all. She's not. Okay. Coco Goff? Yes. Well, I mean, she won the U.S. Open, which was tremendous. She she solidified herself as a top 10 player, now as a top five player. You know, she's had a lot of high hopes on her and she's finally come through. I think the Brad Gilbert situation has helped a ton, but look at Sviantec, uh, number one in the world again, just won one major, just won one major, but she is clearly the strongest player in the world right now, having beaten Pagula and, uh, you know, multiple times she's, she's beaten most of these girls, um, you know, multiple times this year. And, and the fact of the matter is she, she ended the year number one and she was number one the year before. So to basically defend that proves to, to me that she can handle the pressure that she's here to stay and she's the one to beat. So I got to go with Fiontech as far as the player of the year. Me being American, Obviously, I, I live in America, so but I'm not American citizen yet. But Coco Golf to me was was absolutely huge. But to you, American tennis fans and obviously tennis pros and tournament director Johnny, uh, what is what does Coco Golf mean to tennis in America? If you compare to what the Williams sisters meant for tennis when they came up, because the the Williams sisters were sort of the first. Once they broke through, and it's like, oh my God, it was big. Of course, I know Althea Gibson was here, but that was so long ago, which 
Coke off. We've been waiting. Sloan Stevens won a major. Not much happened after that. Although she's won, she made another finals. Coco Goff is, is young. She has this unbelievable attitude and maturity. How important is she going to do, do you think, for the interest of the game at all levels, at the beginner level, as for kids, as kids trying to push on and, and obviously for, for uh, minority races as well? I think personally, Matt, that she will continue to have a similar effect to what the Williams sisters had, but I don't think she's going to be viewed as a trailblazer the way to some extent Venus and Serena were. Uh, I think she's just going to be more of an extension of American tennis and a product of American tennis. And then you talk about the multidimensional aspects to her game, which again, as I mentioned, Johnny seemed to maybe downplay that a little bit, but number one in the world in doubles as well. Now that sort of in a way, as opposed to maybe comparing her to the Williams sisters. Now you've got to make comparisons to John McEnroe, right? So for being, you know, one in the world in singles and one in the world, and not necessarily one in the world in singles yet, but one in the world in doubles um, and, and then winning the U S open, I think the sky's the limit for her. And I think she raises the, the level of interest in the sport exponentially by virtue of her success at the end of the year. Now, the question that I have for you was we mentioned Iga Svantec and she's Johnny's, player of the year. We mentioned Arena Sabalenka, who became the number one player in the world. We mentioned Coco. Does that then leave Marketa Vondrosova a little bit out in the cold in terms of the way the history books will reflect on 2023, maybe unfairly, being that she won a Wimbledon title? Yeah, I mean, I think Marketa Vondrosova is uh, one of those players that, and again, I I really hope I'm wrong because I love the way that she plays uh, because she's different. She plays with a lot of finesse. Uh, she doesn't hit the ball as hard. She keeps it in play. She moves extremely well. She's got good hands. Uh, she can do everything. For some reason, I'm not sure that that's going to ever be good enough again because I think the more you see her and the more you play her in big matches I think someone like Unz Jabur after that Wimbledon final is going to realize that hold on a second so I, when I play Marketa Vondrusova, I'm in charge and I have to stay in charge, but I can't overplay and beat myself. So I think when you have that style, when you're relying on making your opponents worse uh, in the beginning of your career, or beginning of your winning career, I think it's tough to keep going. I don't see... I mean, there's upside to her game, but not in terms of power. And if you don't have power today, and if you don't hit winners or dictate on the women's game, it's very difficult. Of course, you can have a week uh, or a couple of weeks that she did because players are sort of surprised when they run into her. Oh, I haven't played her. I don't know what I'm doing. And then suddenly all this spin. And so I think that players are going to learn how to play against her in big matches. I don't think she's ever going to be a great player in the smaller tournaments because when players are loose, they're going to blow her off the court very often. Often. I hope I'm wrong because she's a breath of fresh air. Love the tattoos. She seems to add one with every, not every match she wins, but certainly with every successful tennis match she plays or successful moment in her life. So she's a free spirit and um, love watching her play. She's a great girl off the court. Done a couple of interviews with her, but I'm a little concerned with her tennis. She needs to add the most difficult thing, which is power. Johnny, we were talking about the ladies, but we were also talking about the fact that Coco Goff finished number one in the world in doubles. How about on the men's side, 
Austin Krychek finishes number one in the world in doubles. Here's a guy that we both know well, played for our good friend Steve Denton at Texas A&M, played some singles out there for a while, has been playing doubles for a while, and for lack of a better description, has been a, a solid tour veteran, but not necessarily a guy that had number one in the world written all over him. Suddenly, Philip Farmer steps into the camp with uh, with he and, and, and Yvonne Dodig, and they have a good year in 2022, saying they're going to build on it in 23. They win the French Open. They finish one in the world. How proud of you of that kid, albeit that he's an Aggie? Well, I'm, that kid is a great <laughs> oh, you guys. I'm going to put my Aggie, uh, I don't want to say hatred, but uh, I'm going to put that aside for now because Austin Krychek, is a, a fantastic kid, and he's was coached at A and M by our good friend Steve Denton. So that means a lot to us, as we know. Um, but but the most important thing, he did play the Arizona Tennis Classic, and he was just a true <laughs> professional, did. a great guy. And and um, I couldn't be happier for him. I know he's a a big favorite of yours, Andy. I'll, you know, having been coached by uh, by your buddy Philip Farmer and. I, I just think it couldn't happen to a, a better guy. And for the, the, the way it turned out for him to end up number one in the world year end is, is, is just an incredible achievement for a guy that really was a great doubles player, but, but not, not even close to, you know, in the top 10 uh, for so many years until the last couple of years. So this is really something special for this kid. It's so late in his career. It's, it's, uh, it's really, really awesome to see. Go ahead, Matt, because is it, is it just a function of in doubles you can mature into that guy that can go out and dominate a season of doubles? And for a kid, married guy, north of the age of 30, he's just a guy that is able to week in, week out, just keep it real consistent. And when you get consistent results and you've got a consistent partner and you stay healthy and you're getting some some pretty good coaching and a pretty positive energy around, this is what can happen? Yeah, this is what can happen. And I think also when you're able to to uh, separate the two careers as well as I think he has, because he obviously uh, was a good singles player. Uh, and I remember running running into him in a, at a tournament in Mexico and he was there playing singles. And I think that he's made that uh, very important decision to stop singles while he was still able to improve as a tennis player to then turn all his attention to, to doubles because a lot of singles players, they when they stop playing singles, they're on their way down in terms of a tennis player, in terms of movement, in terms of quickness, uh, in terms of power, maybe even in terms of interest level in the sport. They don't know why they're, but they want to keep playing somehow, maybe to make a bit of money. With Austin, to me, it feels like, I mean, I remember him playing singles, but it was very distinct when he did and now it's very distinct it's nearly like it's two different guys but he's getting better because he was young enough when he started focusing on just one trade and i think um i think it's it's a it's a path a lot of players should consider following rather than if they're thinking about playing doubles uh full time and and not singles at some point don't drag yourself down too far in singles and start going back into the challengers and then not winning matches and then think you can go out and play doubles because now your confidence as a tennis player is down the toilet and i think austin made a a, a great choice at the right time 
And he's improving, which is absolutely amazing. So imagine the year for Philip Farmer. He has Austin Krejcik, number one, but at the same time, or and you could say, John Isner has to pull out and, and retire from the game. So uh, there is uh, your Novak Djokovic for a coach. I mean, some things are great and some things are not so great. I would have thought Philip Farmer would have worked with Isner for a little bit longer, but maybe not. But anyway, uh, he's obviously a great coach because he's taken Austin to the top. And Ivan Dodik seems to listen, too. Yep, and he had the birth of his first son in uh, February. Oh, wow. Little, little wow. Finn Parker Farmer. So a good year for Philip Farmer. Good year for Austin Krychek. And although Johnny and I joke about the uh, the whole Texas, Texas A&M thing, I can't think of anybody who's not a fan of Austin Krychek. And speaking of Longhorn tennis, when we come back, we're going to pay tribute to one of the great coaches in Texas Longhorn history, the beloved, late, great coach Dave Snyder. So stay tuned for that when we come back on KickServeRadio.com, the season finale. Hey guys, AZ here with Tennis Channel Podcast Network. And I am joined by Diadem Business Development Manager, Doug Mouch. And Doug, let's face it, pickleball right now is all of the rage however it hasn't been exactly a seamless transition of bringing pickleball in with some of the the tennis clubs and one of the pain points has been the sound of pickleball and diadem has really taken the bull by the horns with regard to some new technology that you guys have out that i think all pickleball players tennis players or people that have a concern about the sound of pickleball are going to be very excited tell us about it this past November, we launched the Vice Paddle, and we knew it wouldn't be conforming to USAPA rules because it has the EVA foam in it. That EVA foam causes the paddle to have a little more of a trampoline effect, but our theory was it's going to help tennis elbow or pickleball elbow, help wrist issues. It will help people that need a little more power that don't have it. But the biggest factor that we have found that's helped many country clubs and communities is the noise factor. So this EVA foam, device paddle, it really does not make any noise whatsoever. It's a very solid noise, more of a tennis racket. So it kind of mutes that plastic wiffle ball noise to almost zero. So it gives you a little more power, in, in some cases a lot more. It's arm friendly. It's audio friendly. Where can people go online to find out more about Diadem's wide array of pickleball equipment and tennis equipment? Well, our website is diademsports.com. The paddle is the diadem vice. Go online, check it out. I'm Andy Zoden. Doug, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And good luck with all you guys are doing. Thank you, Andy. Really appreciate your time. Welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of the season finale of the 2023 season of kickserveradio.com part of tennis channel podcast network and as we mentioned at the outset of the show johnny we wanted to dedicate this show to our beloved college coach the great dave snyder who was one of the winningest coaches in the history of division one men's tennis and one of the most beloved coaches in the history of the university of texas athletics this is a guy that they coached at Arizona, your home state, and then coached you at the University of Texas. And uh, lifetime, you know, coach won 
just under 700 dual matches. I think he won 697 dual matches, upwards of 75% of all of the matches he ever coached. He was a winner. And you were one of his favorite players of all time. You were one of his greatest players. And and I know that you were just an incredibly happy that he was able to attend your induction into the Texas Longhorn Sports Hall of Honor. Just speak a little bit to the influence that Coach Snyder was on you and a lot of people and, and, and what he meant to all of us. First of all, our prayers and heart goes out to his family. Coach Dave Snyder had, had a, a very beautiful, lovely wife of many, many years, Nancy Snyder. She was kind of like the, the tennis mom to the players. And then, of course, his son, Doug, who uh, was a teammate for a few years for many of us. And, and then his daughter, Allison, who's a lovely person who, who um, was always around the teams. And Coach uh, lived a great life. And people don't really realize this, but was a great player in his, in his own right and was in the Texas Hall of Honor and many different tennis Hall of Fames himself for his playing career, too and ended up being in the top 2025 in the U.S. men's singles. But Coach Snyder was a great coach, and it was the way that he entered his players. And I just believe that Coach Snyder cared more about his players, actually, when they were finished with their tennis careers and looked at them as, you know, their families and what they did after tennis meant so much more to Coach than even their playing days. And that just says a lot about the man and, He's going to be, you know, greatly missed, but he will definitely be someone that will be remembered for, like I said, his academics, his playing career, his coaching career, but most importantly, his character, which I think everyone felt was of the highest that a person could have. Well, and I'll echo that by saying, to your point, Johnny, how he cared about his players after tennis. He cared a lot about you and and anybody that would have had you playing for their team would have cared about their number one player but he cared about me a lot. I was just a scrub walk on. He went to, you know, he was at your wedding. He was at my wedding. And and he, I believe the way coach Snyder treated me and making me feel like every bit as much of a longhorn as anybody else in that program, I owe him so much as to who I have become in the tennis world. And with my career, because coach really propped me up to be someone that was of value into the tennis industry. And I can't thank, he and his family enough for that. And uh, like you say, a lot of love will be going to his memorial in Austin and there will be uh, a lot of people and it will not be a somber occasion, Johnny. Enough time has gone by. We've had an opportunity to process it. It will be a true celebration of, of a life incredibly well lived without question. Guys, can I, can I uh, jump in here? Obviously I've heard of uh, coach Snyder from you guys uh, over the years, but to me, I am talking to you guys right now. Andy, you're so involved in tennis. You're obviously the tennis director at Columbine Country Club in Denver. Uh, you've been the president of the Intermountain Tennis uh, Tennis Region for a few years. You're doing this podcast. Johnny, you're nearly 60 years old, and you're being in the He tournament. is 60. Let's make no you're mistake 60. here. I wasn't <laughs> going to say that on the air. Okay. It's out there now. So. But you're a tournament director of a challenger, and I don't think you're doing that for 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 economical reasons for, for in any way. You're doing it for the interest of the game and the fact that you love the sport. So to me, the question to you both is, what what did what separated what Coach Snyder tried to tell you guys 
and and teach you about tennis that has kept you so involved in tennis because obviously every person you run into does something and and where do you put him in in that situation where how much did he mean to you guys what did he talk about and why are you so interested in tennis is it because of him possibly well johnny i'm gonna like give you the last word but i'll answer real quickly to just say coach snyder's example made you want to do things the right way he was kind of like you know they always talked about that with larry brown play the right way with coach snyder i think it was live the right way and tennis was was part of that but i think the fact that we we grew to love the sport because of the camaraderie of the teammates that we had. And some of us had more success as a player than others. Certainly you guys can speak to those successes far more than I can, but I, I will tell you this. And I think I told you this earlier when I was a little bit older and I started to actually have a little success in some of the age group tournaments, I'd go back to Austin and I would play matches in the stadium at UT at age 35 and I felt like I was playing for the horns. I was imagining all the players up there in the stands. I was, an, I was imagining you up there, Johnny, and Fontana, and Doug Crawford, and Ted Eric and Craig Carden, and I can go on and on, Doug Snyder, and all of our friends rooting me on. And it, it really carried me through some victories just by virtue of the fact that I still felt like all these years later, what I did on the court was still representing my university, and I wanted to do that proudly. So that would be the way I would answer that. So, yes, that that all traces back to Coach Snyder, who I first was around at age 14, and, and he was bigger than life to me then and is bigger than life to me now. Well, that was well said, Andy, and I would just uh, reiterate a little bit of what you just said, and I think, you know, Matt's what I, what I take from Coach Snyder being a member of the UT tennis team they they felt a sense of pride playing for the University of Texas because of the deep tradition that I think coach instilled in us from, you know, the way he talked about Dr. Penick and Wilmer Allison, who were the two previous coaches to coach Snyder, but more so than the greatness of the, of the teams themselves was the camaraderie that, that was built on each team that coach coached. And I see it, in the players today, I see it in all the different eras. And I think that stemmed from the legacy of Coach Snyder. And, and that's what we leave with Matt's is just this feeling of, of you know, family. And uh, I, I think that I speak for many of the, the other players that we all feel like we're a part of a big family. And that's because of Coach Snyder. And if anybody should speak on behalf of many of the players at the University of Texas, it should be two-time All-American, one of the greats of all time in Texas Longhorn history, and that's you, Johnny. And it's great to be able to to speak about Coach Snyder and to have people hear a little bit about him and to know how we feel about him. And we'll close the season out on that note for the great Matt Lander, for the great Johnny Levine. I'm Andy Zoden. This is KickServeRadio.com. We are proud partners with the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Have a great holiday season. A great new year, and we will catch up with you before Australia. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it.